Local Matters brings you incredible stories about Indian original businesses making a positive impact in Indiana and the entrepreneurs leading the way. I'm Mel McMahon, and today we'll get the story of how Gutwein Law was started. We'll talk with business law attorney Karen Young about what you need to consider when starting a business, how having an attorney can actually save you money, and why supporting local businesses really matters. You're listening to Local Matters, brought to you by Indiana Originals, leading local living. Karen, thank you so much for being our guest today on Local Matters. Hi. It's great to have you here representing Goot Wine Law. Goot Wine Law it is. Can you spell that for us? I can. Goot Wine Law is spelled G-U-T-W-E-I-N. Perfect. Goot Wine Law. Not gut wine. Please. Ever. No. We do get that a lot. We actually put out a book that I'll share and maybe we will be selling it. Yeah. On um, Indiana Originals. We put out a book that ABCs for entrepreneurship. Oh, that's fantastic. It is. And the proceeds are going to go to a local charity for, for um, entrepreneurs. So we won't keep the proceeds. But um, on the back of it, it says how to, pr- it has the phonetic pronunciation for Goot Wine Law because we do get even clients of ours that yeah. pronounce it wrong all the time. But Goot Wine Law comes from the last name of our founding partners that started Goot Wine Law. When was it started? So it started, Goot Wine Law was started in November of 2012. So we're not a very old law firm. Um, and two of the partners, are co- the, uh, the founding partners are two cousins, Andy Goot Wine and Stuart, or Stu as I know him, Stu Goot Wine. I went to law school with Stu. Okay. And um, Stu and Andy are two cousins that had been practicing law. Um, Andy's a little bit older than Stu and had been practicing law a little bit longer. But they had both been practicing law and wanted to practice law in a little bit different way for both themselves as lawyers and also for their clients and wanted to do um, law a little bit differently and for business. So our law firm does all things business. It's easier to kind of talk about what we don't do, Mm -hmm. but I'd rather, you know, try and focus on the positives. Yeah. Um, But our law firm does all things business. So. Um, and nonprofit that's included in in what we do and so business law includes you know general business corporate work as far as setting up your corporation LLC or partnership or nonprofit corporation so any entity formation governance your board of directors your members your you know any of that partnership work and corporate governance and counseling an, an entity when it gets started or is forming a new corporation or, or purchasing an entity of some kind but then Really quickly, a company needs either their intellectual property, their trademark or copyright or patent done, employment law issues with employees, handbooks, those kinds of things, mm-hmm. and then um, anything that has to do if they're a franchise, you know, about that. Yeah. Originals. And then um, succession planning when they want to, you know, what their legacy is when their business, as their business ages or they age as the founder. Um, and then anything up through the life cycle of the business, a merger and acquisition, if litigation comes up, which af- often happens, sometimes it's you need to be suing somebody that's mm-hmm. taking advantage of you or you're on the receiving end of a lawsuit, unfortunately. Um, and then real estate transactions, leasing a large lease, buying, purchasing property, um, 
as well as any kind of international tax incentives, special regulatory compliance issues, anything that happens during the life cycle of, of a company. What is your specialty at the firm? Yeah, so I do general corporate work, like we talked about, anything that has to do with a business, doing um, contract drafting and negotiation of the business. I also focus um, a lot on regulatory compliance, which has you know, become hot and heavy during COVID-19 compliance and complying with regulations regarding a lot around employees. Employment law is regulatory compliance because you're dealing with EEOC, ADA compliance, um, COVID regulations regarding FMLA, leave, and all that. So I, I all the acronyms. I call it alphabet soup. <laughs> the alphabet soup, and you know, and yeah. so in some of my past um, jobs, anyone, anything that came, you know, DOT, DOC, you know, ITAR, all of those types of things, like oh, that would be Karen's line of work. So um, anything in um, regulatory compliance comes. Um, I'm first in OSHA, mm-hmm. you know, and again, that a lot of times that affects your employee and workforce, and um, so employment law and regulatory compliance is a piece of my specialty. Um, contract drafting and just general corporate work with you know so setting up companies and and corporate compliance. Um, And then I also do work with nonprofits and all the issues that arise with that. And then the crossover of business and nonprofit, which is social enterprise. And I get to work in that space, which is a lot of fun. Have you always wanted to be a lawyer? Was that what you wanted to be when you were little? I have. Since age 12, really? I wanted to be an attorney. I'm a Hoosier, born and raised, and in um, I'm going to date myself a little bit, Mel. I met uh, Governor Bai mm-hmm. and Mayor Goldsmith, mm-hmm. shook their hands, and around that age, I was 12, I was at something I got picked to do and got to shake their hands at some event downtown. I was like, hmm, who are they and why do they get to be important? And so, you know, they're lawyers and what, you know, what's that mean and how do they get to be that? Not the fact that they were necessarily politicians, but they were, you know, important people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so I did, I just started sharing with my parents, you know, I, I want to be an attorney and they were very supportive and said, great, go talk to people who are attorneys. And I talked to other, you know, mentors in my life and I was good in, you know, history and um, debate and English and writing and those pieces and other mentors and and authority figures in my life always supported it and so I just kept on that track and did you know more and more in that and went into you know pre-law and undergrad and uh, I started temping in law firms as a legal secretary during high school and then into college and just got experiences like a legal secretary a receptionist in law firms and got exposed to what it was like to be in a law firm or around attorneys and asked questions and and found out what it was like to have, you know, what clients and what that kind of felt like and what it was like to be in a legal setting. What was it like to go from studying to be a lawyer to actually being the lawyer? My experience is a little bit different to answer that question because I went to undergrad and was a, you know, pre-law student. During college breaks, I attempt as a secretary or, you know, kind of, uh, you know, legal secretary. And then I graduated in three years from college and started looking for a job and um, was a little scared of taking the LSAT and going to law school. Plus, it's a big test. It's a large test. To get into law school. The LSAT, yeah. yeah. And um, there's a method to taking that test to getting a good grade and it depending on what your score is on that test depends on where you can even get in to go to law school. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure and I was 21 
So I uh, didn't go right to law school. I went, came back home, lived at home, started, um, you know, working, and I um, put money aside. So I started working at Ice Miller, a law firm here, mm-hmm. and um, started as a secretary and worked up to a paralegal and worked there for a couple years. And um, so I worked as um, a paralegal under various attorneys and, and did some work in both nonprofit and um, mergers and acquisitions um, sections at Ice Miller. So I had clients, and I knew what it was kind of like to work in that setting. And I had the first experience of what it was like to have clients call me, and I build time. And so I knew what that experience was like. Then I, you know, hired a tutor or did the, you know, process, took the LSAT, looked around at people I saw, I was like, if they can do it, I can do it. And bit the bullet, took the LSAT, got a good enough score, got into law school, quit my job and bought, got an apartment downtown, moved out from the parents and started law school and, um, and did that. So then I was studying to be a lawyer. And after the first semester of law school that um, I was full time, I, uh, you can't work. You can't work your full semester, your first semester in law school when you're a full-time student. Really? Yeah. Is that like a rule? The, uh, or Ameri- just, just impossible? No, it's a, or it's, both. A, it's a rule from the American Bar Association. When you're oh. a full-time law student, you cannot have a job, at least your first semester. Your second semester, you can work, I think it's 10 or 20 hours a week okay. max. They limit how much you can work outside of law school. So that second semester, I was like, I got to get out of here, and I have to work. So I started working at the Neighborhood Christian Legal Clinic, which is a pro bono legal ah. clinic in town mm-hmm. and they hired me for I think it was 10 or 15 dollars an hour it wasn't much but I had enough experience that I could actually not just be an intern but I could actually work and start working with clients again and that was because I I knew what I was doing in that building was not practicing was not the same as actually what it was like doing the work that I had been doing working with clients it was not the same prepping and, and what legal education is is not the same as legal practice at all gotcha and I was losing my sanity a bit like it was very frustrating yeah and just reading and being asked questions in class and the stress of it all and the very um isolating piece that law school is it's any higher education, well, any education at all, is just very selfish. It's very you-focused. I have to get, it's, it's, it has to be, like it's my grade. Mm-hmm. It, no one else gets the grade, no one else is prepping for class the next day, it's yourself. Um, whereas the practice of law can, can, st- can be very inclusive. You work with your partners and colleagues and paralegals and staff, like it can be a, more of a team effort and you can work and learn from others and you practice together and that's not what law school is at all. Um, and it, depending on where you go and how it is, it can be very cutthroat and competitive. And not that the legal practice isn't isn't cutthroat and competitive, but depending on where you work and how you work with others, it can be a more collaborative effort. And hopefully, should be. You know, if that's how I like to work. And so you've been doing this for a little while now. Yes, I've been I've been a lawyer since '05. What motivates you to keep being a business attorney? I am motivated mostly by my clients. I really like being the problem solver for the issues and concerns that my clients run into and raise and that I can 
help solve and relay the stress that is brought up, maybe not face-to-face these days, over the phone, over email, and knowing that I can find solutions. Not every problem can be solved by a lawyer, that's for sure. I learned that early in my practice. I was really hopeful when I went to law school that lawyers solved the problems and, and learned early on. There are issues that people have gotten into that lawyers can't solve. And even in litigation, there's usually a loser, you know, mm-hmm. just like any ball game or anything else, there's a, there's a loser in, in situations. Um, but oftentimes in, in, the, in the business world, um, you can negotiate and you can compromise and there's can, can be creative solutions and there can be paths forward and you can reduce the risk or mitigate the damage. And I can be um, thoughtful and creative and work together with clients and be proactive to to um, get to solutions or um, th- a better outcome than would have existed. Coming up, we're going to talk to Karen about what you need to consider if you're thinking about starting a business and how having an attorney can actually save you money. This is Local Matters. Hi, I'm Lance. And I'm Mel. In the spring of 2012, we were walking around downtown Indianapolis. We were looking for someplace local for dinner. We threw out a restaurant name and Mel asked, Is it local? That simple question became a much bigger conversation and our company, Indiana Originals, was born. Every Indiana Originals member is certified local. That means the business is an Indiana-owned and operated company, headquartered here, and not part of an out-of-state chain. When you discover and support a business on our website or on our app, you are keeping more money in Indiana, helping our communities be unique, and creating jobs. If you spent 5% more on goods and services from Indiana, we would have $1.8 billion more for our schools and infrastructure. So when you break it down, that's just $35 per household per week. When you see the Indiana Originals badge, you know you are supporting local Indiana businesses. Download our app powered by BW Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Drains and get your business certified local at indianaoriginals.com. Indiana Originals, leading local living. Hello, listeners of Local Matters. This is McFarling Foods, and you know, 2020 was quite a year. McFarling Foods was there through it all because McFarling Foods is serious about partnership. We are in this together. That's what it's all about. We care about what's best for your business. How can we help? And McFarling Foods is a partner to local independent restaurants because, hey, anyone can sell you food. Wouldn't you rather have a partner? A partner who's invested in this same community. McFarling Foods. We're local. This is our home, too. It's where we live, where we work, and where we raise our families. See, nothing's more important to us than our community and our neighbors right here in central Indiana. Oh, and we are very proud to be an Indiana original. For more about McFarling, go to McFarling.com. That's McFarling.com. We've been chatting with Karen Young of Gutwein Law, a firm that was started in 2012. Now, Karen, you joined the firm in 2019, correct? Correct. And in your career, you have seen a lot of great things businesses have done. You've seen a lot of things that probably weren't so great, but that's why people like you exist, right? To prevent and then help when we need it. What are some of the things that we should consider when starting a business? Great question. So when starting a business, working with an attorney is sometimes not something that 
um, a, a new business owner or someone who hasn't worked with an attorney is going to want to do because I think folks think that it's an, an unnecessary expense or something they haven't um, set aside money to do. And they think, you know, calling a lawyer means, you know, money sign, money sign, money sign. And so um, one of the things I'd like to speak um, to groups of, you know, founders or, you know, small business owners or people who are wanting to start new businesses is it's, you know, worth setting aside 1500 to $5,000 to talk to legal and maybe an accountant when setting up your first business or when you start, maybe it's not your first, but when you, when you want to start a business is setting aside a, a chunk of money to get your legal and finances set up correctly from the get-go because it will save you time and money down the road. Um, and, and that's really why, is getting your um, legal formation documents done properly at the beginning, setting up your accounts, and um, folks who have done it wrong can tell you why, <laughs> are, are really good um, at, at telling you why, or, or going through LegalZoom or Rocket Lawyers, you know, one mm -hmm. of the, the um, online legal services. I get a lot of clients from, from LegalZoom because they've done it wrong or they went through LegalZoom to do their trademark and you know a year and a half later, their trademark either isn't finished or isn't done properly and um, or it's not done the right way for the jurisdiction they're looking for. Something has, has gotten missed. I'm not saying all of those um, services are incorrect or incompetent, but there can be um, nuances missed mm -hmm. and um, or a, or a contract drafted that missed the details or the I was somebody who's like well I wanted it for this purpose and, and that was completely missed in what they were looking for and um, form documents that someone downloads from online what happens is we've seen clients like if they would have just used the downloaded document that might have been fine but the client doesn't they add paragraphs that completely undo or don't work with the state law that they're in, they've added a paragraph that undoes what the statute requires in the state of Indiana. Well, and, and if you so, do a simple Google search, a lot of times they bring up things for not your state. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, so in the state of Indiana, if you form an LLC, a limited liability company in the state of Indiana, that's the state that you're domiciled in. It's your home state. So in every other of the 49 states, you're a foreign entity. That's how that's how um, it works for your company. You're a foreign company in every other state. And it's a very... Um, so what does that mean? What are the implications exactly. of that? That's a very... No one knows that unless you are in this space and you understand that. And um, just understanding those pieces. So when you want to do business and expand your business, I'm meeting with a client this afternoon for lunch who's expanding her business beyond Indiana, which is wonderful. But that means she has to pay to register to do, to do business in other states and will pay taxes in those states. She needs to know how to you know, register to do business in those states, have a registered agent in those states. And, ex and there are costs and administrative tasks and burdens and she's a for that her company will be a foreign entity in the four or five or six states that she's gonna expand into. And those are additional compliance, administrative, legal burdens that comes with expanding your business. So you have to be able to afford all of what comes with that. So growth comes with, you know, hopefully increased profit, mm -hmm. but it also comes with increased expenses. And so as you, as any company grows, 
more responsibility and and come, comes with that. And so when um, any business starts having the right team with you, whether it's a partner in your business or whether you're solo, you also need your advisors on you with your team. So I love working with businesses when they might be making a product in their basement or I like working with businesses when it's the founder and he or she is ready to retire and and leave the business to their son or daughter or sell the business to you know the next business who's buying it and they're about to leave and they're you know five hundred million dollar company and all, everything in between. So I, at Gutwine Law, I or others work with every you know business and every size. And it takes, you know, we work with, I, I call myself a business um, advocate, uh, and we work with business and nonprofits of, of all shapes and sizes. And that's really true. And it's the pipeline of all different kinds. And I've worked with businesses that are, you know, once one solo person, and we set up their LLC, and I don't hear from them for three or four years. I'm like, okay, I'm finally ready to hire my first employee. I've been bootstrapping and doing mm -hmm. it solo, and and I'm like, oh yeah, how have you been? <laughs> where have, where have you been? I haven't heard from you in years. Versus, um, I'm working with you know, um, and, um, clients that are very large and have a lot of legal issues, and I speak to them on a daily or weekly basis, and and we have a lot of you know, I send them a bill every month because I'm working with them every month. So it takes every you know piece along the way, but starting out to set aside um, again not ten thousand dollars to get started, but a a little nest egg of if you're going to start your business, do it right. Start you get your articles, um, your bylaws, your operating agreement pick the right kind of entity for your business. It's You're not set in stone. If you set up as a limited liability company, you can later convert to a corporation. You can later move. How many times have you heard, I had no idea? Every day. I hear that every day. But that's, you're not an attorney. Or you're, you haven't set up a new business. And um, last year, during COVID, so we all went into the shutdown around March, right, mm -hmm. Mel? In June, I had a client call and he was ready to start. It was in a real estate type of thing. He was ready to do a real estate business and set up a single member LLC to do something that he was passionate about. After that client called, I had four more clients calling me to set up their single member LLCs to do their start their passion projects. I mean, one after the mm -hmm. other. I set up like again, it was five, six, like right after another. It's like that March to June, that incubation period, people were sitting at home stewing on their projects that they had thought about for a while and boom, someone they knew, knew me, and we, me and my paralegal just cranked out all these single member LLCs for these passion mm -hmm. projects people have been thinking about. And so I think now's the time people are coming up with their ideas and said, okay, let's do it. Let's start again. I think they're do, still doing their day job, mm -hmm. but they're also, you know, starting to have put down pen to paper finally because they have time on their hands and and working out that project. And so I've I've talked to a lot more folks who have never done this. They've just done their eight to five jobs, mm -hmm. and so I think I'm talking to a lot more never before founders. When you can see how excited you are about it, I mean, your eyes are lighting up <laughs> like you have a little twinkle. You have a smile on your face when you're talking about this. And so you can definitely tell that you're you're really passionate about what you do. And I think so many entrepreneurs, you know, we, we kind of lead with our gut, right? Like 
this is what feels right. This is what we should do. But having those people around you to kind of check you every once in a while, is super, super important. And you might not have any idea of what your company's going to do. You know, seven years ago when we started Indiana Originals, I had no idea we'd still be here seven years later. And we're in a great space. We're still growing. And things do get more complicated, right? Absolutely. With your banker, you're talking about bigger numbers. With your taxes, you probably are going to owe more. So what does that mean? What can you do? You know, there's a lot of planning that goes into place every single year. And what are some of the big mistakes that you've seen entrepreneurs make along the way? Right. Texas is one where I had a client who she was about three years in to her business and she asked me for an accountant. She said, we're finally making a profit three years in and an LLC is a pass-through entity. And she said, this year we're making enough money and my husband and I can't do our taxes on our own anymore for the business to just pass through to our personal taxes. Now we need an accountant. And she asked for a referral to an accountant. Um, I had another client who did not trademark her business before she launched. She didn't want to spend the $1,200, $1,500 to trademark her business. Went ahead and did a beautiful launch. And three weeks after it got a cease and desist letter for using that name. Oh no. And someone else in the area had wasn't using it yet so she could she couldn't find it she had googled Mm -hmm. but she didn't do the searches on the uspto site and someone else had reserved it and hadn't used it yet it was a um, you know just reserved the name Mm -hmm. and you can even extend the reservation of that name for another 18 months and all of that and it got into a nice little fight Man. And she has to rebrand. Oh, that's um, tough. After a gorgeous launch. And it was, it's not that much money, but she didn't have it. Mm-hmm. So she launched without um, doing that. And I, I hurt for her. Yeah. Would have never imagined that would happen. So, um, I bring that up in a generic way to clients who are on the fence about trademarking of you don't want to be in that situation. Mm -hmm. You want to go through it and listen to the trademark attorney and trademark attorneys will run the searches. And if there's something out there that's very close or uniquely similar, we'll stop and say, this is either going to be a fight or it's not available. Mm -hmm. Stop. Think about it. Either fight it or rebrand now before you spend the money and get too far down. And I'm assuming the fight is more expensive than just and you might not doing win. the trademark at the beginning. Right. Well, you might not win the fight. So then you would have to rebrand anyway. Mm-hmm. Or you go to that per- you go to that party and say, "Are you going to if we pursue this, will you um, mm-hmm. consent to us moving forward in this space with this name mm-hmm. or will you oppose it?" And if you oppose it, you're you lose. What are some of the risks involved with not setting up the right kind of entity? I mean, when there's Etsy, there's a lot of that's, you know, sole proprietorship is legitimate. Somebody can be a sole proprietor and depending on the risk profile of anyone's business. Um, and I explain it this way. If you're making a t-shirt and you're selling a t-shirt and you sell a t-shirt and someone doesn't like it, the risk is what? 
they send the t-shirt back and they ask for a replacement, right? Mm -hmm. And you send them a different t-shirt. Big whoop, right? Um, If you sell someone a hair product and they put it on their hair product and their hair falls out, they're going, and it's before their wedding or their prom, you know, they're going to sue you. Yes. Or they're going to make yeah. a big fuss. And the same thing with social media today. They're going to post about it and they're going to take pictures about it and they're going to rant and rave and follow you and troll you. The risk, it's all about, like from a legal perspective, it's about the risk. And so if anyone's dealing with children, a product you put on your um, skin or hair or anything that's on your person, any vulnerable population, um, the elderly, the homeless, um, someone who is, um, any vulnerable population, any, anyone, you know, someone who can't speak for themselves or, you know, thinking about that, all those are much higher risks. So if someone's talking about anything you um, put in your body, on your body, imbibe, you know, all of that. So I, I deal with, um, I work with a lot of clients who are doing a hair care product, a skincare product, a beauty product of some kind. The insurance that those persons get, having an entity and not just being a sole proprietorship um, is a huge um, risk and liability. Absolutely. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Well, Karen, thank you so much for emphasizing that you know, we need to get our ducks in a row Correct. before we hop into the pond. And there are a lot of great resources out there to make sure you know what you're doing. You know, ask questions, get on the right track. And I know uh, a nonprofit that's near and dear to you is Source Correct. on the near west side. Correct. Tell us how you're involved with that. I am actually on the board of Source Entrepreneurship Center. It's become its own 501c3 out from under IPY. It's a it's an independent 501c3 organization now on the near west side, and it was um, started under um, the Great Places Quality of Life Plan on the near west side. The community wanted something for the entrepreneurs in that um, area, and it's. Um, surviving and thriving right now and growing through the pandemic. It's still been a resource for um, burgeoning non, um, entrepreneurs there. And I'm really happy to be connected with it. And we have a GoFundMe campaign going on right now and raising money to keep it afloat and, and still running. So I'm happy to um, be able to share about Source on, on this podcast. So I would love to um, um, promote it and um anything that um, people can do to support Source Entrepreneurship Center and partner with with it in any way. So well, thanks you, for letting me share. Yeah, of course. Well, and if you've been you know with Indiana Originals for a long time, you know, we've taught classes there. We've been part of um, the pitch contest that we've had there. Uh, you may know it under their past name, which was Source River West. Right. Uh, and so that's how you know we got tied in with that right from the beginning. And the more support you have when you start, I honestly think you know, the faster you're going to grow, you can grow strategically and really, truly be successful because nobody should do this by themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why Indian Originals exists, right? We bring everybody in on our own island. And Karen, why does supporting local and being known as an Indian Original matter to you? So Gutwine Law is a homegrown um, Indiana um, law firm and I'm only licensed to practice law in Indiana. And so I couldn't be more Indiana original and, <laughs> and Hoosier based. I don't want to take another bar exam. And so I think of um, Stuart and Andy Gutwein as starting um, the law firm and giving, you know, um, those of us that are, are here at the law firm, um, place to um, 
practice law and, and work together and collaborate with great clients and um, a great mission for our law firm um, and working together and their own, you know, they have uh, their own, you know, families and family businesses that they represent and are, and are a part of here locally. And so we work with clients and um, businesses and clients across the whole state of Indiana. And so as far as being part of Indiana Originals and supporting local is working within our own economy and giving back locally is is so essential because it keeps us all um, connected. And it's part of the circle of, of, of home and, and, and support. And I think of, um, <laughs> my husband jokes, we were, we were even out of, um, out at a birthday party and, um, kind of out in away from where, where we live downtown. And I said, well, do you want to just hear him? My husband was like, it's not our tax base. And it was like, <laughs> I was like, it's Kroger. Like it's all like, no. And it was like, we're also like local, local. And that's a little bit, um, tongue in cheek, but we, not that we can't support chains and and we don't ever um, give beyond locally, but supporting local and, and keeping Indiana um, um, a rising and thriving economy and, and supporting um, our own local industry and our own businesses. Yes, I want to support my um, clients, not just because I want my clients to be um, coming back to me and supportive, but I think of... Um, Entrepreneurs, it's so difficult for entrepreneurs to um, be successful in this day. You know, it takes four tries for an entrepreneur to make it. And I want to help the entrepreneur that's in their first, second, third try. If they can be more successful on their second try and maybe make their th that fourth try is backed up and they make it successful on their third, they learn something in round one and two and three. And I, I'd love to be there for round one, two, three, and then also there in round four, um, which, you know, helps all of us all along the way. And um, I'm going to stay here in Indiana and I want to help Indiana be um, successful through all of it. And, and we're here for the long run. So I, that's why I think local is so important, because um, it's our friends, family and, and colleagues and want to be um here and supportive and part of the community in the lows and the highs and not just in the wins. But um, that's part of, you know, helping. Usually when you call the lawyer, it's when something bad has happened. And that's what I'm here for, too. So wouldn't be here for the highs and the lows. Besides IndianOriginals.com and our app, where do we find out more about you and how do we support your business? GutweinLaw.com. Again, G-U-T-W-E-I-N. GutweinLaw.com. And I'm at Karen.Young at GutweinLaw.com. Karen, thank you so much for being our guest today on Local Matters, and thank you for doing your part to create healthier, stronger communities and more jobs in Indiana. Thank you very much for having me, Mel. And thank you for listening to Local Matters, made possible by Indiana Originals and McFarling Foods. It's an honor to bring you incredible stories about Indiana Original businesses making a positive impact in Indiana and the entrepreneurs leading the way. Learn more about why Local Matters at indianaoriginals.com and on our app, powered by B&W Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Drains. I'm Mel McMahon, and until next time, keep supporting local. Thanks for listening to Local Matters, brought to you by Indiana Originals, distributed by the All Indiana Podcast Network. I'm going back to Indiana. Download the Indiana Originals app, powered by B&W Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Drains, and check out indianaoriginals.com.